Welcome to another episode of the DC Podcast. I'm, oh yeah. I'm Russell. I'm Sean. And we are pumped up and this is our first take. Yeah, we, we didn't just bomb a first take. Nope. That's that's not possible. We would never do that. So we're going to talk today about multi-site. Multi-site. So this is a phenomenon in evangelical circles yeah. to, to build the church, to, to design the church in such a way that you have multiple campuses yeah satellite campuses or or what's another word for the campus we say site site yeah multi <laughs> site campus they would the most important thing Thanks. is that they would say it's not another church yeah they would say we're all one church yeah. even though there's all these independently like physically independent gatherings yeah together and when we say they we don't mean uh willow creek although we do mean willow creek we mean the village church in texas reform mm -hmm. guys we mean Tim Keller, New York. Yes. Redeemer Church. Uh, Summit, J.D. Greer. Yeah. Reform guy. Yeah. yeah. Summit here in our own backyard. That's Huntsville. Right. Multi-site. Yeah. Okay. And the reason why this is kind of back on our radar, I mean, it's 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 always out there, but uh, a video recently surfaced from the Gospel Coalition, an interview with Mark Dever, Mark Driscoll, and James McDonald. Yeah. Uh, what, what was going on in that video? So I'd heard about this video, but I hadn't seen it. Yeah. Uh, and it, it just kind of disappeared. And then a few weeks ago, it resurfaced. Uh, somebody put it on YouTube. And it's basically uh, Driscoll and McDonald talking with Dever about their uh, multi-site, multi-campus churches. Yeah. And Dever basically sitting there saying, hey, look, uh, church means ecclesia. Yeah. It means gathering. They really, they say, they say, hey, give us your, uh, give us your best argument, right. right, for why we're wrong. And he goes into that argument and they just shut them down. Right. Like, ah, oh, no, 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 no. That's not, that's right. not relevant. Right, right, right. And uh, look how effective we are. Look how uh, much growth we're experiencing. Yeah, yeah. Look how God is using this. And Endeavor just stuck to his lexical argument that, yeah. hey, in scripture, that yeah. word means people gathering together in yeah. one spot. And he didn't really get to say much more than that. No, they they kind of shut him down. There wasn't really much of an exchange of ideas. But it's a fascinating video to watch now because their churches more or less have imploded. Yeah. And it's it's a really, I think, uh, good example of the kind of thing Mark was concerned about. That's right. And, uh, you know, time told that story. But that leads us to the topic of our of our episode today, which is celebrityism or right. celebrity culture in the church and kind of uh, the way we feel like multi-site church models feed into that or almost build the church in a way that can't escape it. Yeah. Right. That doesn't mean that there aren't churches out there that have multi-site uh, models that don't succeed. Right. But we mean that it's very much a part of that way of doing church. That's right. And, and that's because if you have a physical location where this, you know, senior teaching pastor is, is actually standing there preaching, mm -hmm. then you have all these other sites that are physically separated with different people gathering who mm -hmm. are maybe watching that on a video screen, yeah. which is a common way that that's done. Yeah. They may even have a, a site specific pastor who sure. presses play or whatever. Um, those churches, because they're not physically united, mm -hmm. What's actually uniting them? Well, it's a common budget, mm -hmm. maybe a common brand identity. Common vision, and it's common leadership. It's that leader. Yeah, yeah. it's that leadership that kind of unites them. Like that guy who we receive preaching from. Yeah. That's what pulls us together. And that, I think, mm -hmm. is where we see this kind of, uh, this elevating of one single man, one yeah. single teacher, one single leader to a position of authority that it turns into celebrityism yeah, it, absolutely. and it's very dangerous. Yeah. So to be clear, we have like 15 other problems with multi-site 
models, right? Multi-site, multi-service. Uh, and more foundational problems, but we've talked about that before. Yes. We've talked about what a church is and what a church isn't. We're not going to go down that road. We're not going to go down that path in this episode. We already bombed our first episode doing that one. So if you want to know what a church is, yes, go listen to some of our older episodes. In fact, I think they're titled, What is a Church? That's right. Uh, for this episode, we're just focusing specifically on the celebrityism, this this church that's built around the platform and even the God, God-given giftings of one man. Yes. Okay. So best case scenario, best case scenario in a situation like this, where you have a church built off of one man and one man's gifts go. So you got a guy who is a phenomenal preacher. He leads thousands of people to Christ and this multi-site multi-campus thing grows up and there's all these individual groups of people meeting across the city Mm -hmm. where they watch him preach. It's phenomenal. And then he gets old and he retires. Okay. And for the last 50 years that he was preaching, none of these churches have raised up leaders and preachers who can take his place and lead their individual congregations because they've all been relying on his gifts. Yeah. And, and the, the, the members of that church, you know, what are we going to do without pastor so-and-so, you Mm -hmm. know, nobody brings the word like pastor so-and-so, I experienced this when I was a member of Mars Hill, uh, way back in the day, I was at the federal way campus, which this is another interesting little phenomenon. Like the Bellevue campus was the campus where Mark was. Right. And so that's like the campus. And we were always kind of like, man, we want to, we want to be like those guys over there, but we're right. over here in our little school. Okay. <laughs> we had our own pastor. He was a good godly man. He was well-trained in the word. He, he did a lot of good pastoring things. But if Mark would have retired or if I would have been there when the church imploded and he would have said, hey, guys, you know what? We still have a group of people here in Federal Way. Let's just keep going and let's let's be a church. I would have been like, I can't sit under your preaching. I can't do that. Why? Because the model that I was involved in was was teaching me to think like I need this guy's preaching. Right. Right. He is he is so gifted. He is so anointed with this ability that it is more important for us to pipe in his sermons from across the city, mm-hmm. knowing I'll never meet him because yeah. he's a celebrity. Essentially, you might get a fi- you might go visit the campus, might get a selfie. You, he might come and do a Q and A at your campus, and you'll get to shake his hand. But his preaching is so good that it's better than teaching a mediocre preacher mm-hmm. in a you know separate congregation. Essentially, yeah. through trial and error, how to preach better, how to rightly handle God's word, and yeah. how to feed it to a people who he actually knows. He knows yeah. their spiritual needs. He knows what areas they lack mm-hmm. understanding in. He yeah. knows their situations and their sufferings and their sins. Yep. And he can deliver the word to them if he only had the opportunity to to practice doing that and get guidance from a senior yeah. leader or elder or pastor. Yeah. And that's not happening. Yeah. And the members would know the pastor in that situation, right? They would know this brother. Whereas, you know, when I was at uh, Mars Hill, I sat under Mark's preaching and it was good. He taught good things from the Bible. Uh, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't. There's something about the fact that you know me. And when you hear me in the pulpit, not only can you uh, hold me accountable for the things that I say, but you just you just know that I'm you know that I mean it. You know where this comes from. Here's an analogy. Yeah, thank you. Save me. So, imagine you have one of the most r- reputable, brilliant doctors in the world. He's the head of the Mayo Clinic in mm. Minnesota. Brilliant guy, and he treats disease that's everywhere. And you happen to be a sick person. Mm-hmm. Would you want a doctor 
who you will never actually meet, you'll never have a conversation with, he doesn't actually even know your name, but he lectures on health and medicine and how to cure disease uh, from a video. Would you want that doctor or would you want to go to the doctor who still has a medical degree? Maybe he's not head of the Mayo Clinic, maybe he's not brilliant, but he's actually going to sit down with you, get mm -hmm. to know you, hear your symptoms, yeah. diagnose you and give you exactly the medicine he believes you need. Yeah. Knowing he's not maybe as, as brilliant as the doctor at the Mayo Clinic, but is actually going to be your doctor and yeah. you his patient. That's right. So I think that's a helpful analogy um, because we'd never accept a television doctor. No. no. Um, and and pastors are... They're physicians for the spiritually ill. Yeah, and, and unlike a, a disease or an acute illness, uh, we don't need to just have, this is where that analogy falls apart, but that's fine. All analogies fall apart at some point. Uh, I don't just need you to write me a one-off prescription or schedule me for a one-off surgery to fix this. I don't need your one-time expertise. Yeah. I need you to shepherd me. That's a lifetime. I need you to of, day in, yeah. day out, over the course of years, love me, love my family, and lead me well. And you just can't do that if you don't know me. You can teach me vague general truths from the Bible, and the Holy Spirit can certainly use that and apply them to my life. But that's not that's not what we're looking for. Yeah. Right. Uh, worst case scenario. Uh-oh. Worst case scenario, very similar situation. You've got a very gifted pastor who is having his sermons piped into gatherings all over the city. But instead of just, you know, preaching for years and years and then retiring and fading out, we have disqualification. We have a uh, celebrity pastor who gets caught in some scandal or ethical violation or horrendous sin and is no longer qualified or trustworthy or able to be that celebrity pastor. And then what happens to the church? The church wakes up one morning and realizes that they don't have anybody to take his place and it implodes, yeah. falls apart. And you have, and we've seen this over and over again in recent history. Yeah. And then those local gatherings, uh, like you said, they either say, well, I don't get this preaching. I'm out of here. Or they basically try and become an <coughs> autonomous congregational church and somebody just steps up and says, well, I guess there's a first time for everything. I'm going to start preaching. Yeah. And maybe the Lord will graciously allow that church to continue, but yeah. often it, it just disintegrates. Yeah. So they either don't have somebody or they don't want the person that they do have. Yeah. Right. It's a really bad situation to be in. Um, and, you know... It's funny that when everything implodes, then they kind of, go, they would try to do the thing that they probably should have been doing in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's more that can be said here, but uh, I want to, I want to give three, I want to give three little things and I'm going to do my fingers like this while I do it. I, I want to kind of say like, okay, what are the best uh, arguments that I've heard from people with whom we disagree? Yeah. Uh, and then kind of try to just turn around and, and refute those arguments. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, argument number one, uh, the best of multi-site say that they're doing this as a church planting strategy. Okay. So they say that, yeah, it was our plan from the beginning. We we're going to build all these sites, all these campuses. And, and then once everything got good and vibrant and healthy and strong, and you know, then we were going to put the right guys in the right churches and we were going to disassemble and each one was going to become its own independent church. Uh, part of me wonders if guys like Keller are just saying that after like, they've like, man, we tried it one way. It didn't really work that well. We saw problems, but we're going to, okay, regardless, that is, there are people now who are trying to church plant in that way. We have our hub, we pump in the preaching, we're taking a couple of years and then we're going to break off and become our independent churches. Sure. What would you say to that? 
Uh, well, you know, I'm immediately thinking of Matt Chandler is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Somebody who, who had this multi-site, multi-campus model and is now sort of pushing those sites to be congregational churches. But he, it wasn't his plan from the beginning, it, though. It wasn't his plan from the beginning. Yeah. And I think that's a really good illustration of how the the dangers of this, I think, honestly, I think probably became apparent to him. Yeah. Um, so that's just unfortunately not how God has ordained the church to be. Yeah. So... It sounds like a good system. I understand the heart of, mm-hmm. of missions and evangelism, sure. wanting to have, hey, this works really well in this site. Let's yeah. just reproduce this somewhere else. But the church was ordained by God to be A, a gathering, and B, a gathering with leaders who were appointed by that congregation and will someday give an account for that congregation sure. and are supposed to be physically, s- physically present, present together. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, maybe there's situations... Uh, circumstances where sure. you could say like, okay, let's let's make this a site or a campus temporarily, of this church. temporarily yeah. until we get all the, you know, the logistics and hiccups smoothed out. You Absolutely. get your own budget, you get yeah. on your feet, and then you go be a church. Presbyterians do that. They they'll have a, a session that's over them temporarily, yes. and then they will particularize, yes. right? And that it makes more sense in a Presbyterian world than a than a Baptist world. But you simply don't see the continuation of that multi-site phenomena in anywhere in the new testament no i think the main error here is the simplest pragmatism just because you can do something faster and get more growth doesn't mean that it's good and right and biblical right what we're looking for is long-term sustain like for if jesus tarries for four centuries more what's the healthiest way that we can go about reproducing christians you see the same thing with church planning models that were very popular in the southern baptist mission world going out to india and their house church planning strategies and it was it was all about speed right Mm -hmm. Uh, and they would say look look how many churches we were able to plant and we're gonna make jesus come back if we get this done fast enough <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so so the problem there is is just we don't care about speed yeah we just want to be faithful and right. sometimes faithfulness uh is slower and, oh. and it requires trusting the lord to use uneducated everyday guys who maybe have never preached in their life to be brought up as leaders that god uses in the life of a local church it requires so much patience mm-hmm. right like you take this guy who is a very, very, very mediocre preacher, and you let him preach 15 times over the course of three years in your church, and you give him the reps, you give him the Bible studies, you give him the feedback, you disciple him, you teach him, you train him, and who knows, maybe he'll go from being very, very, very mediocre to pretty good, you know? He's never going to be a Piper. He's never going to be a Driscoll. He's never going to be a Chandler, Uh, although I don't love challenge preaching that much but you get the point right like he he may never be this world-class communicator but he will be exactly what that congregation needs Mm -hmm. um we have one elder two elder and we have grant in the room three elders surprised you you didn't know he was here Ah, did you uh uh-huh and uh, one of the things that I often say in the church, partly to just kind of be funny and, you know, self-denigrating humor, but also to to tell the truth so people in the church know it, is that you guys don't have a world-class preacher. And that's okay. You have a good preacher. You know, I work really hard to use the skills that God has given me, and I trust that God can use that. But you have a, you don't have a world-class class preacher, but you have a... a- a leader here who will shepherd you and That's know right. you and hold your hand in the hospital and all the other things shepherds do. That's right. And the multi-site model says, well, we have that because we have campus pastors. Right. But if you separate that shepherding from the handling and teaching and preaching of God's word, you have just 
essentially neutered your pastor. That should be a whole other episode. Should be. You, you can't have a person who preaches and who doesn't shepherd in the same congregation. Mm-hmm. Those things have to go together. Good point. Hey, give me five. That was a good mm. point. Okay. Number two, uh, the Bible has examples of people who are famous for their preaching. Second hmm. Corinthians 8, Paul is talking about Titus. He says, But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. Titus is going. Fantastic. With him, we are sending the brother who is famous. Hmm. How famous is he? Among all the churches. So famous, Paul doesn't have to use his name. Doesn't have to say his name. What's he famous for? For preaching of the gospel. So there's this guy in the early church that is so famous for preaching the gospel that like Paul can say, hey guys, get excited. This guy's coming. I don't even have to say his name. He needs no introduction. You know who he is. And yet what is Paul constantly doing in the New Testament? I don't know. Hmm. What? Well, getting shipwrecked. One. <laughs> getting stoned. When he's getting not flogged. getting bit by snakes and shipwrecked, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's appointing and raising up yeah. young men yeah. to imitate him, as he says to Timothy, to uh, to follow in his footsteps, to lead these local congregations. Yeah. Nobody is saying that men are not particularly gifted for preaching the gospel, and that God can't use certain men in really exceptional ways. What what we are saying is that. You can't build a church around just that. That's not what makes a church. That's right. And anytime you build all of your church on one pillar, you're in danger because that pillar may crack. Unless that pillar is the gospel. That's right. Amen, brother. Amen. Pass the plate. (laughs) You know, I think about Mark, Mark Dever, okay? Uh, The guy who discipled me for a little while. Uh, I've seen this guy at CHBC, just genius. he's, He's this guy. He's famous for preaching the gospel. Uh, and, and there's, there's levels to this, right? So he's not, he's not John Piper famous, but he's famous for preaching the gospel, famous for his faithfulness, uh, all those things. And I've watched him take the platform that he just quietly, gently built for 20 years in Washington, DC, and then just give it away to other men. Right. I saw that, uh, most notably the six months that I spent there during my internship, he only preached about half the time. Right. And if you ask him why, he says, well, brother, how else is anybody else going to learn how to preach? If, you know, I don't have these other pastors who are being trained up to go and plant their own churches if they don't get a chance to preach the gospel, you know, and, and he'll say something like, you know, I'd be foolish enough to think that the Lord needs me to build it, you know, but the truth is that he spent a lot of years doing the majority of the preaching. Yeah. But once he had the platform built, he gave it away. And building a platform can vary in, you know, uh, like a launch pad for sending out men to go plant churches you don't have to have a multi-site model in order to do that. He's he they have planted and revitalized a very large amount of churches and they've done it with a single site model. Mm-hmm. And I would be interested to know on the long term, I don't know how you would go back and analyze this, but just kind of how healthy the churches that are planted through that ministry are over the next 100 years as compared to the multi-site model. I could take a guess. Sure. Number 3, celebrityism can happen in any church. That's right. Right? That's what multi... They would say, like, all these arguments, yeah, they, they may be true, but isn't that just true of any church that has a really charismatic, talented, gifted leader uh, with a large population in the congregation? Couldn't that happen? And we would say... Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I mean look at the, the Southern Baptist sort of tradition of pastor 
single guy. He's the guy who preaches, and then a whole bunch of deacons who yeah. help him out and basically do what elders should do. Sure, sure. But none of them are teaching or preaching. Yeah. And the whole church is built around the personality and the influence and the uh, positions of this one individual. Yeah. Uh, the pastor as CEO model, we mm-hmm. call that. Yeah. It, uh, one, one day we need to do an episode on the, the historical development of that because Baptists historically believed in what the Bible teaches, plurality of elders. But somehow it became, right, boring. <laughs> History. Yeah, history. But somehow it became pastor. And Yeah, okay. Yeah. So... Uh, my response to that is, yeah, that's true, but there are a couple of safeguards that I think are uh, are built into a non-multi-site, what I would say, <laughs> biblical church model. Uh, number one, plurality of elders. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that when I say a plurality of elders, I don't mean uh, five yes men, right? So like, I mean men in the church who regularly have opportunities to stand before the congregation and preach and teach God's word and exercise authority who have the same vote that you have in the elders meeting, right? It's uh, it's a true plurality, yeah. right? Even though like, for example, us three in this room, we're elders. I'm a senior pastor. Nobody in this room feels like when we're having an elders meeting that my word carries more weight than, yeah. Maybe, in, maybe after 10 years in some slight more organic way, but my vote is equal to your vote mm-hmm. is equal to your vote, right? Nobody in the church feels like I'm their pastor but Grant or Russell is kind of like their accessory pastor, you know, or yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the second thing is, uh, you know, it's just built into the very fabric of multi-site. So as in a plural eldership situation, let's, let's go back to our worst case scenario for multi-site churches. Okay. Let's say one of us <coughs> gets caught uh, in a scandal where we've been stealing money from our employer sure. and we're disqualified. Yeah. Well, guess what? There's two other elders who have, they're just going to continue to do what yeah. they've been and doing. And Michael. Don't forget about Michael. And Michael. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. We're I'm thinking, thinking in this room. This yeah. room. Two or three are gathered. Yeah. So so we have uh, we have a situation where the church just continues to faithfully do what it's been doing. Because yeah. there are leaders sure. there who are equipped, who, who can lead the congregation through that difficult time. Yeah. The church doesn't live or die with one man. But as you just pointed out, in the multi-site model, it is literally built into the DNA of that church to yeah. be centered around one man yeah the the example that i used to kind of draw an analogy is uh there are certainly risks to losing the gospel in autonomous local churches but there's something about the structure of a hierarchical denominational system like uh episcopalian you know or the pca right that it's it's built into the system that if heresy gets to the very top whether that's the synod or the general assembly it it has to come all the way down throughout the rest of it. And there will be a split. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it will just all go corrupt. <laughs> uh, in the same way, uh, it, it's inescapable to not have some semblance of celebrityism in a multi-site model. Now you could say we're multi-site, but we don't pump in the preaching to avoid that. <laughs> well, then it sounds like you're not really multi-site. Yeah, but, the, like but they would say, but we have, but we have the we same share shared elder board, same budget, gotcha. same vision, and that's where we would just point you back to our. Yeah, but the odds of you're, that happening, you're basically autonomous churches that just need to start paying your own bills. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Oh, you need an accountant. Right. Okay. Yeah, but that's just it's just not happening. Yeah. It's it's always built around one man who is extremely gifted. That's right. And I wish that those same extremely gifted men would spend a quarter of their time trying to train other men to be as gifted as they are. Totally agree. Yeah. Hey, I think we should wrap this up with our standard disclaimer that uh, if we're coming across as know-it-alls yeah. who have just got, you know, ecclesiology nailed down because we're smarter than everybody else, 
I got to tell you, I've been, I've been a member of multi-site churches and it took me years to really wrap my head around biblically how this was off. Yeah. Um, I've been in conversations with, with brothers where I had to be persuaded a lot of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, you've probably been with me. You, you, you've been in a multi-site and you've been like, huh, something doesn't feel right here. Right. right? Yeah. Like, How come I've never met any of the pastors here? <laughs> yeah. And there's I've been I here for know. a couple of years and they just don't know my yeah. name. You and know, why is our music live? But our preaching is imported yeah. Yeah. in Is music more important. Yeah. <laughs> and you just kind of can't put you, Oh, discipline. You're saying discipline is good, but I don't think we're supposed to do it in our yeah, small That guy group. who was in adultery just went to a different campus and <laughs> started over. God. Right. And it was only through time and the Holy spirit and other men teaching us and a lot of study that, that we know we, came to see like oh it it doesn't feel right because it's not right this yeah. is not god's good design for the church uh and you know russell's been through a little cage stage ecclesiology phase you know it's true but uh lock me up before i hurt myself or somebody else that's right but you know what though man i uh, i genuinely wonder if in like 20 years uh the best of at least the reform world will come to have viewed the multi-site model as just like a passing phase like a trend you know like we tried it and we saw there was just so many problems yeah i think so well hey uh books you should read it's not actually a book this episode oh i have a book too do you have a book yeah well let me recommend this article first uh if you go to nine marks and look up an article uh called 22 problems with the multi-site model uh, by jonathan lehman in fact you know what i'll help you out i'll put the link in the episode description so you can just click it Really good article, very brief summary of a lot of the things that we're talking about that yeah. you can kind of walk through and think about. Good scriptural references throughout. Yeah. The book is actually not out yet, but it's soon to be out. Jonathan Lehman has written a book on multi-site, multi-service, and he is uh, infinitely more charitable and kind and gentle and loving and all of the fruits of the spirit that we're praying for God to give us more of, uh, he has it in spades. And so I imagine this, this book will, on the one hand, be very forceful from his grasp of the text, church history, and everything else, but it will also be just so gentle and loving and kind. He will um, make you change your mind by force, and you will be glad he did it by the by the end, I think. Yeah, so keep your eyes open for that. And keep your uh, eyes peeled. Thanks for listening. I love you. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff, and we'll catch you next time. I guess.